This week on Dig Me Out. Earned us a mature rating on iTunes. Thanks, Jay. Oh, sorry, it's real banned. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, not me. I'm not being a goofball. Well, it's a real band that I, I have some of their music. Tim and Jay review. 12-point master plan by Bob Goblin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 174 of season four, and we have another requested review. Requested, requested review. This one comes to us from uh, Mr. Patrick Enright, who wanted us to check out an album uh, by a band called Bob Goblin. Jay, familiar with Bob Goblin? I get them confused with Cock Goblin. And I'm, we, only, I, I'm only half joking. Um, you know, it's a name that I don't know the music. No, I, I want to say the name was familiar. But honestly, it could have been because of Cock Goblin. <laughs> Just re- earned us a mature rating on iTunes. Thanks, Jay. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's real band. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not being me. I'm not being a goofball. Well, it's a real band that I, not, I have some of their music. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna belabor any point about your misinformation about the title of the you know the name of the band. Uh, I actually I remember. I must have seen a video or somewhere or read about them somewhere because when I started going through the I Hate the 90s blog uh, run by Shell that uh, I got a lot of music downloaded from in order to prepare for this podcast many years ago. This was an album that I highlighted that I was hoping that we would get to eventually because I don't know if I remember reading about it or or somebody telling me about it, but I just remember that I needed to check this album out. And lo and behold, Patrick suggested that we check it out. He actually said... Uh, I am requesting the 12-point master plan, which is the name of the album, by the band Bob Goblin. Numbered jumpsuits, fake backstories, but most importantly, some great crunchy riff-based power pop that went completely unnoticed in 1997. That is Patrick's words to us when he suggested that we check out uh, this record. Probably a good time right now to uh, dive into the history of Bob Goblin. History of the band. So they formed in Dallas, Texas in 1993 by singer-songwriter Hop Litzwire, also known as Sergeant Hop Mansky, drummer Avsharian, guitarist Lech Wagner, and bassist Hek Mohek. Okay. I'm guessing those are a lot of uh, fake names. I'm not sure. They uh, produced a cassette tape rock box, rocket box, that established them on the uh, Dallas scene. Eventually, Lech Wagner left the band to concentrate on uh, other commitments. And um, also, uh, Heck Mahek left as well. They released their first uh, full-length album, Jet. Started getting some local press from the uh, Dallas Observer, among others. Um, they would add some additional personnel in 1994 with... Um, 
Tony Janata on, I think on uh, guitar. Yeah, replacing uh, Wagner. He would go by the name Corporal Glasscock. See? There is a relationship here. <laughs> in uh, 96, Barry Pointer, former bandmate of Litzwire uh, in another band, uh, filled in guitar- on guitar and, and would act as uh, co-producer and engineer on their second full-length album, The 12 Point Master Plan, which was released in 1997. They would uh, garner some major label interest. It says that they were released from the label in 1999. Um, They would uh, end the band at that point. Litzwire, Avsharian, and Janata, along with um, another member, release uh, two albums under the name AOJ, uh, which was Part 3, Coping with Insignificance in 2000 and Muscle in 2004. Um, they were released on My Records, which was uh, Lagwagon frontman Joey Cape's label, um, and then on Suburban Home Records. They did some reunion shows, and in 2009, they brought the band back uh, completely for a new record, Love Lost for Blood... Love Lost for Bloodlust is the name of the new album that was released. That's it. It's a very shitty history of the band that I have there. But they're not on, I couldn't find them on Wikipedia. And all I have is this crappy Last FM uh, biography. It was very poorly written. Whoever wrote that needs to take some lessons on uh, writing histories of uh, bands because that was crappy. And then um, Rob. Of Sharian also played in a band called Chomsky, which uh, people might have heard of. Uh, rock and roll band, also from Texas. So that's the history of the band. If you would like to make a, uh, if you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, please head on over to our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. And we did get a little bit of feedback. Eric Grubb says, A Dallas Legend. This record is highly valued around here. Wow. So, yeah. Jay, let's talk about this record. Talk about what we liked and what we did not like about the 12-point master plan by Bob Goblin. Let's. Let's. Uh, last time I asked you to start, Jay. Uh, this time I am going to start. I'm going to give you one thing that I liked, and uh, then I'll bounce it over to you. See one <clears> thing that you liked. We'll bounce it back and forth. Have a little tennis match. Volley it, as they do. Uh, the one. So first thing that I liked about this record is um, just the overall sound and, and the overall ap- approach. Uh, I think the power pop was mentioned. It also had, it was. it's in the vein of, reminding me of like the hives, um, and that sort of, very i guess you'd say muscular power pop is the way i would put it where it's it's not necessarily about like um you know lush harmonies and sort of uh trying to recapture like uh that 60s vibe that some t- some power pop tries to get this is a much more um aggressive and um in your face uh take on power pop um i like that I, i'm a, i'm a big fan of a lot of the hive stuff i think what they do songwriting wise is usually pretty interesting and production wise they usually do a lot of interesting stuff and i think this band does that uh, pretty much from the get-go with one down one across
pretty much a uh, textbook power pop song in a way that they're structured, in a way that they are constantly introducing melody on top of melody, you know, whether it's with the guitars or the vocals. Um, they do use some harmonies here and there. Not a lot. Um, not as much as, say, a Jellyfish or, or, you know, Velvet Crush or something like that. Uh, I just, I think I like their overall approach. And this is a record that I listen to more times than a lot of the recent stuff that I've listened to just because I was enjoying it so much. Whether it was in the car or mowing the lawn or at work, I was constantly putting this record on. So, Jay, tell me what you liked about this record. Uh, I agree with those points. The sound of the band is, um, it is it is really good. You got the, um, the you know, really low-end bass. Um, and then in the middle, you got this crunchy, crisp guitar. Um, really with very little, like, rim sound. It's very, um, very dry. And then uh, I think what really makes the band work, though, is the vocal and how that fits into that mix because you end up with a pretty full spectrum because the vocal tends to be uh, fairly high, you know? Um, so you get a nice, you get a full frequency range there between the, the bass, guitar, and drums from from low end to mid to to high with the vocal. Um, I think, and the, and, the, and the drumming's pretty smart. Um, I would say it's, it's really sharp. It's really, gets out of the way, but there are some times where it steps forward which is kind of nice. So a song like Standing Up, um, it's a combination of a, a great hook, but also there's this cool like drum emphasis that happens. I don't know if it's like a trigger or what it is, extra layering, but he sort of delivers the the line from Standing Up and then there's this drum thing that goes on. It's like, dun, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it really adds this cool just elevation to the chorus in an unexpected way. power pop you know it's very rare, rarely is rhythm used and that genre um, to that extent you know it's more about harmonies and melodies and if, if an instrumentation is going to stand out it's going to be probably more keyboard or guitar oriented but um, there are a couple moments here where the, where the drums stand, stand out and, and are um, pretty interesting but uh, the, vocally uh, a couple things I like uh, he's he uses a lot of um, inflection. Mm-hmm. 
So lines that would normally probably not be incredibly uh, melodic, just, you know, if you deliver this, the, this, the, the lyric, you know, correct from an English standpoint, but he adds a lot of extra uh, melody in there by the way he sort of enunciates things and the inflection that he gives things. Um, I think that helps quite a bit. Take what's um, at times pretty middle of the road, maybe on paper material, but uh, is elevated the way that he delivers it. Um, I also think there's some times where lyrically he does some stuff that is a nice contrast to his voice. So he gets a little bit more either sarcastic or um, a little edgier with uh, the lyrical content and um, just because his voice is so it's it's borderline kind of nasally mm-hmm. um, it kind of takes it out of uh, I don't know kind of coming off like too straight laced and almost nerdy and perfect to you know really having some a little bit of a, an edge to it and just overall just a little bit more interesting so I, I like those moments a song like nine comes to mind in that regard um, pretty in my uniform comes to mind uh, lyrically so yeah, I think there's um those things elevate what are at times I guess I'll kind of slip into it's not necessarily what doesn't doesn't work about the record, but at times the guitar parts are there's part there's even within a song there are sections that, that are very predictable and not very interesting um, and the vocal kind of saves them. Uh, then there's actually a lot of parts on here. I'll, that I like quite a bit where they go to some unexpected chords, um, mm-hmm. particularly like they'll be in a very major kind of progression. And then they just slide into this very minor, darker chord or a couple chords. And it, it'll just be this really nice, like unexpected little tweak on, on, on what's going on. Um, and they do that enough where, you know, they kind of stay out of that almost sugary sicky like almost so sugary it becomes sickening you know that some some power pop can get into or just like a little bit nauseating that mm-hmm. you're just so it's so flowery and pretty and positive sounding um but they avoid that pretty well by their core choices and i really enjoy that quite a bit um so the guitar is a big part of that obviously the vocal is playing along with that as well um, and I guess the, one of the, the last things that I really liked was a very tasteful and unexpected use of synth. Um, yeah. Where it's, it's, it's in there and it's adding a little bit of like weight and texture, but it's not like through the whole song. It's not like, cutting through like a lot of times with power pop groups they try to do the synth thing you know you kind of you get the the cars kind of approach where you know you do like a lead on it and you, you let it cut through really clear and it's there in your face they don't do that necessarily what they do is they kind of just drop it in for a moment and then they pull it back out so you can just end up with these like really nice drops where you know things will open up with this synth sound and then it'll kind of shrink back up again and it'll go away and kind of fit, either not be there at all or just kind of fit back in through the texture of the music. Um, I really liked how they did that because it just gives you a flavor and it just keeps it interesting without being like the stereotypical 
early 80s sound synth lead thing that'll um you know i i, I like that sometimes too but i've heard a lot of bands do that especially in the late mid to late 90s there was a little bit of a revival of this kind of sound and i've heard a lot of bands that that did that and didn't quite do it as tastefully and it kind of uh, especially now when you go back and listen to it it just doesn't hold up so well um, right I think they incorporated it in a really tasteful way, which I appreciated. Yeah, the only song that really where it's where it's blatant is track nine, Close Your Eyes Kids. It's it's done in that mm-hmm. like cars way. And it works really well because they didn't kill it for the whole record. So when you get to that yeah. song, you're like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Like, and it it's but really it, kind of not as pronounced as it is at the like the beginning of the record, it's very pronounced and then it sort of becomes a part of the song and it's much more buried. Yeah. peaks out here and there through the record and then all of a sudden when you get to that song it's featured and it's just a nice setup and by that point you know you uh it makes sense because that's the other thing with that instrument is is it can sometimes feel like it's just from out of nowhere you know and you don't set it up right it either comes off as like a spaceship landing on your song like from another blank has no business being there or you just get tired of it so uh they figured out a way to do it on this record. I think it, it uh, definitely enhances. doesn't take away at all. So let me ask you on track three, you mentioned standing up when he gets to the, when they get to the chorus, there's like this thing that goes on. I'm not sure if it's the guitars or if it's the, if it's the keyboard that you're talking about, but he, there's like a chord that gets hit. Um, and it sounds like, um, it sounds like a, like a, it's like wash. I don't know how to describe it exactly. It's like, it's when he hits the part when it, when the drums hit the that yeah. that part you're talking about the trigger, yeah, it's almost like like I don't know if it's like a keyboard that's getting that's going on there, but it's kind of cool because it's it doesn't sound like a guitar necessarily, even though it's in line with what the guitars are doing, but it it's it has this like uh, wash of distortion um, that's in I in line with those snare hits. I assumed it was some drum sound, you know, either like a, I don't know, a China symbol through a distortion pedal or some other kind of okay. drum-ish sound. It could be wrong. It could be a keyboard. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, the point being that 
it's so tight in there and it's it's it, it serves the per point it serves the part that it needs to serve and it gets out too mm-hmm. so it's not it, it's effective but it's not through it's not overused you know it's and we've heard other bands where it becomes really difficult to do that like once you introduce it to the song then you don't know how to get rid of it and it's just hanging around all the time you're just you know killing the song with it they did a really nice job just accenting it and getting it the hell out and it works really well like every time i hear that song when that part comes up it's like it's the kind of thing when you anticipate you know and when it mm-hmm. happens you're like, oh it's so cool and it really grabs you so not sure what the technique is for sure but uh definitely works one of the bands that this band reminded me of especially on like when they slowed it down just a little bit like on tracks two tracks track nine the close your eyes kids you mentioned um is uh czar which yep. is kind of an obscure band i i'm we've probably referenced it more than they're probably deserving um but they just made one like really good power pop record and uh the the vocal and the and sort of the approach is not that far off in terms of the the songwriting and stuff and um i like when they you know sometimes when they're when they're getting so manic uh with the energy um the nuance of some of the guitar playing and some of the the drumming is not as pronounced as when uh they slow it down just a little bit um pretty my uniform track two is it's it kind of threw me as the second song after that opener but I sort of appreciated it more and more as I listened to the record because they're sort of giving you two very different takes on what they're doing off right off the bat and that that's got a much more I don't want to say glam rock but it definitely had this like when he hits certain parts of that song he affects as you mentioned you know with his vocal um, you know almost a, a Mark Bolan-esque um, mm. vocal approach in, in that song and in other parts where it's, it's a little bit of attitude. And I think that was another thing that I really liked about it is his ability to throw person, put some personality into the vocal um, yep. and, and create different personas per song. Sometimes it works really, really well. And then there are other songs where, um, it kind of was through me for a little bit. Um, thinking of like track four, Pinata, which yeah, reminded me yeah. of like a, a sort of a attempt at like a pixie song. Yeah, it's like a novelty. Kind of yeah, thing. it's a little goofy when it starts, but I actually ended up not minding that song so much. Um, plus, it's only two and a half, or it's just under three minutes. But uh, no, I know what you mean. It's um, it's it's them having a bit of fun, I guess. It's not like unlistenable, you know, I think we've listened to other songs or other records where there'll be a song like this and you're just like, oh, you can't even take it and just skip past it. But I think it's at least tolerable, a tolerable bit of fun. Right. <laughs> You're so miserable. That is, that is another nice thing about this record in that it's all the songs are for the most part in a three minute range. There's a couple that go a little over four minutes, but, um, it's a fairly concise record, which uh, for this sound, I think is absolutely necessary or else you're going to get a lot of boring, longer takes on songs. What did not work for you on this record, Jay? I think that there's some good, there's some very good songwriting on here. I would say, uh, you know, a notch above 
above average and there's some very below average songwriting. So, you know, when you do the power pop thing, it's sort of assumed that uh, you bring in material with it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a crucial part of the formula. Uh, yeah, the sound is is somewhat important, but I've heard power pop band, power pop bands that are even subpar from a musician standpoint. They just have a you know a decent sound and great songs, and it works. So. You know, if something doesn't work, I, I would say it's that. Um, it's not all, it's not, it's maybe, it's not even half the record, but there are a couple, you know, a handful of songs on here that just don't quite get you the chorus that you need. Um, they don't, um, some of the intros are not the most compelling thing in the world. Um, they do a lot of like starting with fairly um, monotonous riffs or just not very interesting riffs. Um, so it usually takes you about, you know, 30 seconds to kind of get into the song and understand like what's, what's going to happen here. And I guess the last thing I don't like or what, that I don't love is the um, guitar solos are pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one, see if I can grab what song it was, but there's one they do that it, the guitar solo is actually doubled with a with a synth, and and that works really well. Um, makes a lot of sense. The ones that, but the overthrow the, the rest of the uh, track eight, uh, maybe I don't have an I don't have a note for that one about that, but it's possible. A lot of the other solos in the record though are just the guitar, and they're just very predictable. They're either uh play off of the the lyric uh, the 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 chorus vocal or verse vocal melody and some kind of almost noisy kind of piece but not quite far enough to where it's actually interesting uh i found myself a lot of times on the courses just wishing they just would skip to the next part um, mm-hmm. they're not on the listenable they're just you know if you're trying to keep things tight um concise with power pop and if you're gonna put a solo on there, like make it count. Otherwise, just you know, write a throw. Give me, give me a good bridge, and, uh, and get to the last chorus and get out. So you know, if I, if I'm gonna find negatives, those are probably the areas that that I'm going to. Yeah, my main negative is also just that I felt like there are some really, really good songs, and then there are some very average songs that mm-hmm. a band, any band that was attempting this genre of music would sort of write. Um, whereas where I, th- I think there are songs such as One Down on a Cross or Standing Up that are, are very unique to this band and, and very interesting and they don't necessarily hit it every time. Um, like you said, it's not even half the record. It's only like you know three or four songs, maybe two or two or three songs that just don't s- sort of stack up to the rest of the record. But um, to tease my... Like overall, I, I feel like the majority of this record is is pretty strong and re-listenable, and it was kind of a it was a it was a nice surprise because sometimes we get these bands and you know you get a weird name and you, you know, oh, we have yeah. no idea yeah. what's going to happen you know what what yeah. sort of what we're getting the, the between the name and the album uh, cover this album is totally assuming you have no 
you have no clue what you're getting into. And if anything, it, it kind of gives you a, oh man, I don't know what how, how better way to phrase this, but kind of a, a shitty punk band kind of vibe, you know, going into it between the right. name and the album art. You're like, oh God, this is going to be like dumb punk songs about taking a poop and eating and food. And, uh, <laughs> I was pretty shocked when I got into the record and realized it and it was <laughs> nothing nothing at all like that so that was good yeah and actually it was an interesting you know we did the stereo last week and you know with this album two different sort of takes on a very similar style of music um, stereo going in a much more you know weezery pop punk direction with a little touch of emo here and there and then this band you know sort of going in a little bit different direction with the power pop but you know those two bands are not too far off uh, even though they're probably in two different worlds musically for, for most yeah people. yeah i didn't list a lot of other artists in my notes here i mean i really didn't I, you know zar came to mind chomsky actually came to mind because i'm a, I'm a somewhat of a fan of that band um and there are there's a lot of similarities between these two but i couldn't even chomsky i couldn't tell you who they sound like i mean they really just they sound like them and I right. think this this band very much um you know is in the same category i, I don't hear I maybe mean, if you if you really 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 scrutinize that you could hear probably some things from you know some early to mid late to late 70s early 80s kind of you know punk pop and alternative pop and stuff like that but mm-hmm. and power pop of that era but uh you really stretching it there's nothing that really jumps out at you in terms of uh sound so i mean that's that's great i mean it's very difficult to do in the pop pop part of this alternative rock <laughs> you know thing of the 90s is to uh, actually be able to be completely original and they're, they're pretty damn close yeah, you can definitely hear like, you know, say Buzzcocks influence or those sorts of bands, but that's just sort of a, you know, mm-hmm. a very simplistic influence. This is this is a band taking that and creating something unique to themselves. So, I think that's uh two thumbs up, way up. Oh, no, wait a minute, that's not us. Uh, I think that's uh two worthy <laughs> albums for uh for Bob Goblin and their album The 12 Point Master Plan. Um, good one good pick by Patrick Enright uh, definitely something that people should go seek out uh, they have a website that you can go to and they have uh, you know current uh, activities that you can check out uh, they just got yeah they pick, got like, so. oh, sorry go ahead I was just going to say that two of records are on Spotify so yep. easy to hold up easy to hear if you are interested in submitting an album that uh, we can check out, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and we will happily give it a listen, just like we did with Patrick's suggestion. Uh, we want to thank uh, all of our listeners. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening on iTunes or Radio IO or Stitcher. We appreciate you checking us out and... Uh, if you uh, like what you hear and you want to leave, leave us some positive feedback, head on over to iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. 
And that's it. We're done. Another one in the books. Bob Goblin, 12-point master plan. The decision has been made. We're the album. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. I've got a nightman, a genius a shining Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. It's in the Constitution.